0: I think God always intends to use the hard things that we go through to not only help us, but to help other people.
1: Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young with co-host Dave Donaldson, who is out on assignment today, and uh, we have an incredible podcast today. You are going to love it because it's all about love. You know, when you give and receive love, the level of joy goes up in your life, the level of stress goes down, and you just have a more peaceful life. Jesus thought it was so important that he didn't make it a suggestion. He said it's a command. Love one another. Our guest today, Dr. Gary Chapman, uh, very famous, very well-known. The five love languages, so much great material has flowed out of that, right up to his current book book. Published this year, Love is a Choice. He is an author, a speaker, a counselor. Uh, The five languages of love has gone into 20 million homes. It's been on the New York best selling list since 2007. That means if you're 16 years old, it's been on the best selling list for your whole life. And uh, he's a syndicated radio host on 400 affiliate stations with the Moody uh, Radio Network, and uh, Dr. Chapman, we are just so thrilled that you would give us a little bit of your time to have this conversation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you, Scott. I'm glad to
0: be with you today.
1: Now, just how did you get interested in the subject of love? How did that become part of your life's journey?
0: You know, on the personal level, it's because uh, no one ever told me before I got married that the average lifespan of that in love feeling that you have, you know, we call it falling in love. Mm -hmm. The average lifespan is two years. And no one told me that. I was always told that you've got the real thing. It's going to last forever. I came down. My wife and I dated two years before we got married. I came down off the high pretty soon after the honeymoon. And I realized that not only did I lose those euphoric feelings, they were replaced by negative feelings toward her because in my mind, she wouldn't listen to me. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, I think because my wife and I struggled so much in the early days of our marriage, uh, I've always had empathy for people that are struggling. And of course, when I got involved in ministry and church and counseling people, I found that a lot of other people had gone through and were going through similar struggles Mm -hmm. in their own lives and their own relationships. So that's where it was all born. You know, I think God always intends to use the hard things that we go through to not only help us, but to help other people. So that's where my interest in my heart, that's where it all came from.
1: So you and your wife were at what stage? Were you working? Were you in school at that early marital time? Were you in ministry? When did it take place? Well, two, two weeks after we got married, I enrolled in
0: seminary. So okay. I was
1: studying to be a pastor, mm-hmm. and
0: I was miserable in my marriage. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, this isn't going to work. There's no way I can get up eventually and preach hope to people and be this miserable. So I was pretty disturbed about the whole thing and i guess again that's why i'm so empathetic when people say to me we have no hope because i remember i didn't have hope i felt like we had tried everything that we could try
1: and Mm -hmm. it wasn't
0: getting any better so i had lost hope and i just i was just thinking and i I, be honest with you scott there was a phase in which i was angry at god because Mm -hmm. i said you you know, look before i got married i ask you don't let me Mm -hmm. marry her if it's not the right thing to do and you let me do it. So I was kind of mad at God for a while. But then I realized that, uh, you know, it wasn't God's fault. I'm the one that <laughs> made the decision and I'm the one that, that's going through all of this, you know. Of course, I didn't know then that it was common for couples to have conflicts mm-hmm. and not know how to solve them. Because when you're in love, you don't think you're going to have any conflicts. But everybody has conflicts for one simple reason we're human. And humans don't think the same way and they don't have the same feelings. And so if we don't learn to resolve conflicts in a positive way, uh, we, we won't ever find, you know, the kind of marriage we wanted to have. So, yeah, that, 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 that's when it all started. I was in seminary.
1: Did, did you really think I married the wrong person?
0: I did have that thought. I did have that thought. You know, I had known I had known her really almost my whole life. We went to the same church. In fact, okay. in high school, I dated her best girlfriend in high school <laughs> and I was in love with her, you know, and I went off to college and, and she broke up with me and okay. broke my heart. Uh, and she said, you know, you're going to Chicago. When I was living, we were living in North Carolina. She said, it's too far away. We just need to go our separate ways. And, and I prayed, oh, God, open her eyes and let her know she's the one for me. You know, I'm glad that's a prayer God didn't answer. <laughs> but at any rate uh, you know i dated her best girlfriend so i don't know it was three years later i went back home uh, for easter i think it was easter and and i saw my wife who's carolyn i saw her and and i'd known her you know in high school but i never was attracted to her but i thought man how did i miss her whoa (laughs) so we had a good little chat after church on sunday morning and uh And then I could hardly wait to go back to church that night (laughs) to see her. (laughs) And after church, I asked her if I could take her home. And she said, well, I'm with my mother. And I said, well, I'll take your mother, too, because I knew they didn't have a car. I said, I'll Mm -hmm. take your mother, too. And she said, well, we have a ride. And I'm thinking, man, how could she be so cold tonight and so (laughs) warm this morning? (laughs) And uh, so I gave her time to get home. And I went up to her house and knocked on her door and asked if I could come in and talk with her. And in that talk, we talked for three hours and she told me that that afternoon she'd spent time with her best girlfriend and she oh, told her, leave him alone. I'm in love with him. <laughs> and I told Carolyn, I said, look, you can do what you want to do. I'm not going back to her. She broke my heart one time. It's not going to happen again. You can do what you want to do. You know." So that started a two year letter-writing relationship, because Mm -hmm. she went to one college, I was going to another college, and in those days, we couldn't afford phone calls, and we Mm -hmm. didn't have internet, so we had this two-year relationship, and actually, when we decided to get married, uh, at the end of that two years, I said, uh, you know, we, we really need to spend time together before we get married, so what if I go to seminary in North Carolina, and uh, you, you, you come back from Tennessee and go to a college in North Carolina, and every weekend we can go, you know, go back home to our parents, and we'd spend, you know, time together on the weekends, and we did that, which was a good thing. And so I really felt like I knew her because we had been spending time together, you know, face to face. Uh, but I, I wasn't prepared for coming down off that high and uh, and the mm-hmm. conflicts.
1: That you and Carolyn have been married for how sixty-one long years. Be sixty-two Congrats.
0: this year. Now she says she doesn't know how that could be possible because she's only forty-nine.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> congratulations! I, I really, I have a great love and admiration. I'm thirty-eight years in, and uh, long-term marriages are my uh, my goals. So,
0: well, you got a good that,
1: start, Scott. Thirty-eight years well, is a good start. <laughs> well, you years and you took a journey that that was. Um, from a feeling, love is this euphoric chemical feeling, uh, to now your most recent book, Love is a Choice. Talk about the, just the learning from a, that euphoric feeling to really discovering that love is much more yeah. than just a feeling. Well, you know, when I,
0: when I began to read scripture, I realized God was not asking us to have a feeling. Well when it's when in Ephesians five twenty five where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it mm. He's not he's not saying to your husband, you know, get those tingly feelings for your wife.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He, he's saying you love her like Christ loved you, who gave himself for her. He served her. And, and in the Bible, love begins not with a feeling. Love begins with an attitude.
1: Mm-hmm. And that
0: attitude is I want to enrich your life. I wanna do anything I can that will help you become the person that you believe God wants you to become. That's why I say love is a choice because we choose our attitudes. We don't choose our feelings. You don't get up one morning and say, I think I'll go fall in love with somebody. No, it just happens. You, you meet them, there's something about the way you look and talk that stimulates that emotion. Uh, and so that kind of love does begin with an emotion, but long-term love begins with an attitude And with a Christian, it's not just in a marriage thing. I mean, this is to be our attitude in in all Mm -hmm. of life. Uh, You know, we're to begin every day with the attitude that says, Lord, today, I wanna be your instrument to enrich the lives of whomever I encounter today. And if you have that attitude, then it expresses itself in behavior. So you will do and say things that will express that love to those people. So uh, that's why I say love is a choice. And if people say to me, you know, I just don't have any love feelings. Mm -hmm. It's just dead. I don't have any love feelings. I say, okay, I can understand that. That's where you are. But you can choose love. And it's a new concept to many people because in our culture, we've exalted emotions,
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know,
0: we, we, we made that the big thing. And that's why so many people who are married, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when they lose those feelings and they doesn't come back and then they have negative feelings. They eventually say to their spouse, I just don't love you anymore. Yeah. And so I'm going to move out, you know, and they, they base the whole thing on they don't have those feelings anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: I'm not downplaying the emotional need for love. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, every, almost everybody agrees that one of our deepest emotional needs on the human level is to feel love by the significant people in your life. Uh, So I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying it doesn't start with those feelings. This kind of love doesn't start with those feelings. It starts with an attitude. And then when you learn how to communicate love, and that's what the five love languages is all about. You learn how to communicate love in a way that's meaningful to them. They feel love. You know, I I like to picture inside all of us. There's an emotional love tank. And when Mm -hmm. the love tank is full, life is beautiful. The love tank is empty. No, life's not so beautiful. So, uh, and that's why I think the love languages has impacted so many people. It's helped them learn how to communicate love to their spouse in a way that's meaningful to them so that they do feel love that they, they really sense they're there for me. You know, they, they care about me. They want the best for me. And that's what love is. And, but it is, it does have an, it is an emotion. I mean, you do feel it, but it doesn't mm-hmm. start there. It starts with an yeah. attitude and then, and then appropriate behavior.
1: What part of your journey did you come upon or, or come to the five love languages? How did that come to your soul and then out of your pen? And it's blessed so many people, both in written word and in seminars you've done around the world. How did that come to you? It really grew out
0: of my counseling. When I, uh, when I joined the, cha- the staff of the church where I've worked now for 50 years, same church staff, Uh, and and, and counseling was not a part of my job description when I went there I was associate pastor in charge of our adult education program but I focused on a college ministry for Mm ten years and then the pastor asked me if I would focus on a single adult ministry but all that time I was directing our adult education program and counseling people people started coming when I would teach classes on marriage the, Mm -hmm. the couples that were struggling wanted to talk and I had taken courses in in, in seminary on counseling. Uh, I didn't take them out. In fact, in those days, they didn't offer a master's degree in seminary, but they had some classes and I took them because I figured every pastor ought to know how to help people. you know. So uh, I started counseling and uh, I don't know, just over and over and over, they would sit in my office and one of them would say, I just don't feel any love coming from him or her. And the other would say, I don't get it. I do this and this and this and this, and you don't feel loved. I I don't understand that. And I knew they were sincere. They were expressing love in their mind. They were loving them, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't connecting with the other person. And so I don't know how many years it was, but it was several years. And I thought, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something to be learned in this. And so I actually sat down and read several years of notes that I made when I was counseling and asked myself the question, when someone said in my office, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me. What did they want? Mm-hmm. What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later called them the five love languages. And I started mm-hmm. using that in my counseling. If you want her to feel love, you've got to learn how to speak love in her language. If you mm-hmm. want him to feel love, you've got to learn to speak his language and i would help couples discover you know what made the other person feel loved and challenge them to go home and try it and sometimes in 3 weeks they'd come back and say gary this is changing everything i mean the whole climate's different now
1: mm-hmm. i mean
0: this this is this is amazing and then i started using it with small groups of people you know couples and the same mm-hmm. thing would happen and probably uh, 5 years later I thought, you know, if I could put this concept in a book and write it in the language of the common person and leave out psychological stuff that Mm -hmm. half the people don't understand, maybe I could help a lot of couples that I would never have time to see in my office. And that's where it came from. And of course, little did I know that it would sell, I think you mentioned that 20 million copies to be (laughs) translated in over 50 languages around the world. I mean, it blows my mind. Yeah. Uh But I think, uh, you know, people ask me, how do I explain all of that? And I say, well, the short answer in my mind is God. And yeah. The long answer is God. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think on the human level, what's happened is people read it and the lights come on and they realize that they've been missing each other emotionally. And so they take the quiz. They learn each other's language. They start trying to speak it and the love tank fills up.
1: Mm-hmm. And now
0: they... They want their brother to read it and his wife and and their sister and her husband. And and it's kind of gone word of mouth, really, uh, all Mm -hmm. over the world, uh, because I think it's addressing that deep human need to feel loved in our close
1: relationships. Now, there could be somebody listening to us and they go, there's languages of love. Can you just go over the five, just catch somebody up what the five love languages are? Sure. And there's no particular
0: order of these. But one is words of affirmation, using words to affirm them. You look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate what you did. You know, one of the things I like about you, it's just mm-hmm. looking for things that you can affirm in them. You know, I had a lady tell me, Scott, not long ago, she said, Dr. Chemina, you know, that that's good. You know, I, 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 I'd like to do that. But to be honest with you, I can't think of anything good to say about that man. <laughs> sure. And I said, well, does he ever take a shower she said well yes i said how often she said every day i said if i were you i'd start there honey i appreciate you taking a shower i said there are men who don't <laughs> <laughs> good. So i've never met a man i've never met a woman you couldn't find something good to say about him. and for mm-hmm. some people this is their love language you know there's a there's a proverb i think it's chapter 18 and verse 21 that says life and death is in the power of the tongue yeah. We can kill people by the way we talk Mm -hmm. to them, or we can give them life. And when we give affirming words, then we're giving them life. Mm -hmm. A second love language is acts of service, doing something for them that you know they would like for you to do. Uh, You know, there's an old saying, actions speak louder than words. If this is their love language, that's true. It's not true for everyone, but it's true for them. And in a marriage, this would be such things as washing dishes, cooking meals, vacuuming floors, mowing the grass, washing the car, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper. I mean, that's a big one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but just actions that you know they would like for you to do. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. And the gift doesn't have to be expensive. We've always said it's the thought that counts, but -hmm. it's not the thought left in your head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in your head. And I I sometimes say to guys, you know, listen, in the spring and summer, you can get free flowers. Just go out in your backyard and pick one. That's what your kids do. Hmm. And if you don't have flowers in your backyard, check out your neighbor's yard. Now I don't mean steal them, (laughs) ask them or offer them $5 for that blossom, you know? And they'll probably say, I don't want your money, man. Take it. So, you know, You can actually pick up a stone in a city parking lot and Mm -hmm. give it to an eight-year-old boy and say, hey, Mm -hmm. man, I was thinking about you today. I found this stone. Look at the colors in here, man. I wanted you to have it. If gifts is his love language, you'll find that stone in his dresser drawer when he's 23, and he'll remember the day you gave it to him. Mm -hmm. In fact, I had a husband tell me this the other day, Scott. He said, uh, my wife's language is gifts. So he said, I was taking a walk one morning, and I saw a bird feather. And I picked it up and just brushed it off, took it home. I said, honey, when I was walking this morning, I found this bird feather and I want to give it to you because it reminded me that you are the wind beneath my wings. And she said,
1: oh, that is so
0: sweet. (laughs) So he gave a gift and words of affirmation. He had a home run. (laughs) didn't cost him a thing. So gifts. And then there's quality time. Mm Mm-hmm. Giving the other person your undivided attention. I don't mean sitting on the couch watching television together. Mm-hmm. Someone else has your attention. TV off, computer down, not answering the phone, simply listening and talking to each other, sharing life with each other. You don't have to always be sitting there. You can take a walk down the road and talk. Or go out to eat and talk. You know, sometimes we go out to eat and don't talk. We've all seen that. Couples sitting across the table from each other and they both have their phone out answering their text messages. That's not quality time. So quality time. And then number five is physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies. Hold them, kiss them, cuddle them. Before that baby knows what the word love means, that baby feels love by affirming touch. And so in marriage, that's such things as holding hands and kissing, embracing the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you put your hand on their leg, just, just affirming little touches all along the way. And, and the basic idea is that out of the five, each of us has what I call a primary love language. One speaks more deeply to us emotionally than the other four. And All five of them are fine. But if we don't receive love in our love language, we will not feel loved, even though the person
1: speaking some of the other languages. And so I think that when couples get that concept, it makes a huge difference. So how do we discover what our love language is? If somebody's listening, going, I wonder what language I speak. And then really wondering, and what does my spouse, how do I discover what his or her language is so we could get sort of better on the same page? Well, uh, there are three informal
0: ways. One is to observe their behavior how do they respond to you just by nature and how they respond to other people? You know, if they're always giving you words of affirmation, there's a good chance that's their language because we Mm -hmm. tend to speak our own language. If they're always giving you and other people gifts, then that's probably what they want to receive. So observe their behavior. Secondly, what do they request of you most often? If they're saying to you, honey, can we, can we take a walk together? and they they ask that regularly, they're asking you for quality time. Or if they say, you yeah, know, honey, you think we can get a weekend away this month? They're asking for quality time. What do they ask for most often? And then what do they complain about most often? Mm-hmm. The complaint reveals the love language. The husband who says to the wife, I don't think you would ever touch me if I didn't initiate it. That he's complaining, he doesn't get touches unless he mm-hmm. initiates it. If you go on a business trip and you come home and your spouse says, You didn't bring me anything. They're telling you gifts is their love language. You see, we tend to get defensive when when they complain, but they're really giving Mm -hmm. us valuable information. So those are three informal ways. You can also go online and take a free quiz at fivelovelanguages.com. The number five, fivelovelanguages.com. There's a quiz there for married couples. There's a quiz for single adults and there's a quiz for teenagers. So you take the quiz, it'll tell you your primary love language, your secondary love language, and then the three that fall under that. So it's not that difficult to do it informally, uh, but mm-hmm. the quiz can also be very helpful.
1: And I really like the um, metaphor, the analogy of filling your tank up with love, because that is a definite uh, feeling, you know, when it's there, you know, when it's overflowing. And uh, your most recent book that you've written called Love is a Choice, and I love the title just because it is a choice. We've talked about that. You take some stories um, that people have been, some journeys people have been through uh, understanding the five love languages. And maybe you could tell some of those stories or just if someone picks that book up now, uh, what are you hoping that they will get from that book? I'm hoping they're going to see real life
0: illustrations, which is what they are. I didn't write the stories. The people wrote their own story. Mm-hmm. And I just talk a little bit after the story about what they're demonstrating, you know, the love language they're demonstrating. But I'm hoping as they read, because it, it applies. It, there's stories on all kinds of things. There's some for married couples and there's some outside the marriage because this concept applies in all human relationships. So I'm hoping they're going to read some of these stories. and They're going to think, Hey. I could do that, hmm. uh, and I'm hoping they're going to take initiative to be looking for opportunities to express love uh, with different people on different levels. So that that's that's what I'm hoping is going to
1: happen. Now you just said that the five love languages are not just inside a relationship or a marriage relationship. W- would this help in business or with raising your children? It does. In fact, the second book I wrote
0: on the love languages was The Five Love Languages of Children. Uh, Because, uh, you know, I say to parents, the question is not, do you love your children? The question is, does your child feel loved? Mm -hmm. By nature, we love our children, but not all children feel loved. I remember a 13-year-old was in my office. He had run away from home and he ended up in my office. And among other things, he said to me, my parents don't love me. They love my brother, but they don't love me. I knew his parents, I knew they loved him. The problem is they had never discovered his love language and they weren't speaking it and he didn't feel loved. So extremely important for children. And then I wrote the five love languages teenagers because parents kept saying to me after a while, you know, we read that book on the children and it was really wonderful, but now they become teenagers and we're doing the same thing we've always done. It doesn't seem to be working. Does their (laughs) love language change? Mm. And I say, I don't think their love language changes when they get to be teenagers, but you have to learn new dialects of that language, because what you've been doing, they consider childish. So you got to use more adult words. And, you know, at 10 years of age, you could go out on the field after they played ball and give a big hug. Now you do that, they're going to push you away. Don't, 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 don't do that they don't want their friends to see their mama hugging them out there in public you have to do the, you have to do the hugging back home in private. So, you know, those are some nuances when they get to be teenagers. Now you ask about work and mm-hmm. I did team up with a Dr. Paul white, who is a Christian psychologist who has spent 20 years working with business leaders. And we wrote the book called the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. It's the same languages. We're just taking them to work, mm-hmm. what we're calling yeah. appreciation. And we've had a tremendous response to that book. And what motivated me to team up with him is we discovered that 70% of the people who have a job in this country say they feel little or no appreciation at work. And 64% of the people that leave a job and go to another job say they left primarily because they did did not feel appreciated where they were. That is a huge need. And what, we've, what we have found, and we, and we did research for two or three years before we wrote that book, make sure that this really worked. And what we found is that when, when couples, when families, when work associates will take the quiz and learn each other's appreciation language at work and begin mm-hmm. speaking, it, it changed the c- climate of the workplace. And people are far more motivated to go to work. I mean, they don't take sick days when they're not sick. They like to go to work. You see, some people, they're going to work just to make money, because I mean, they don't like it. They don't want to be there, but, but they go because they got to have money, you know? And, and so what we're trying to do is help create positive workplaces where people want to go to work because they feel appreciated by the people with whom and for whom they work.
1: Okay, now, what is Carolyn's love language, primary love language? Carolyn's love language is acts of service. Now, I discovered
0: that before I knew anything about the concept. I'll tell you that story. We first got married before I came down off the high. I gave her words of affirmation because that made me feel appreciated. I thought it would make her. So I told her how much I appreciated what she did and how nice she looked. I probably told her a dozen times a day in those early, early weeks. "I, I, I love you. I am so glad I married you. I mean, I love you, love you, love you. And one night she said to me, you keep saying, I love you. If you love me, why don't you help me?" Mm. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you don't ever offer to wash dishes or vacuum floors or clean the toilet. I mean, you you don't offer to do anything. Now, I didn't say this, Scott, but in my mind, I was thinking, woman, what are you talking about? My mama did that.
1: (laughs) Good thing you didn't say that.
0: (laughs) I didn't say that. But see, we bring our history with us. If mama did it, I expect her to do it. And, and I like to say to guys, listen, you're not married to your mama, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so she told me that. And and I said, well, I mean, I, I can do some of those things. You know, I was going to school you know, and working part time. And I said, well, I, I, yeah, I can wash dishes. And I said, I don't mind vacuuming floor. And I said, no, I don't know how to clean the toilets. And she said, well, I can teach you, you know? <laughs> so I started doing some of those things. And then she started giving me words of appreciation you know words of affirmation mm-hmm. and i started you know feeling feeling love so we kind of stumbled upon this you know that mm-hmm. i knew if i did that life was much better you know she she felt loved and and she gave me words and that's a whole lot better what we you know experienced a little later even knowing this we still experienced those conflict things but uh yeah but that that's her love language and so that's why to this day I still wash dishes. I still vacuum floors. I still take out the trash. <laughs> I still, you know, wash your car for her and run it through the wash, you know, the, the car wash. <laughs> and she tells me Scott that I am the greatest husband in the world, <laughs> which I know right. is a hyperbole,
1: but it feels right. good to me. <laughs> Listen, 61 years is a benchmark of excellence. And, uh, so, you, so Carolyn, you have a beautiful love relationship. Let me go, go to something that you wrote in, uh, in your book where you said that uh, we need to demonstrate acting. Love is a choice. We need to act on our love. We need to demonstrate it concretely in our marriages, which we just talked about with our family, with our friends, with our acquaintances. And then you say, yes, and even amongst our enemies. Yeah. Let me ask about loving, difficult people. And Jesus called some of them enemies. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's where I got it, from Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I love your enemies. I'll give you a story that's in the book, it is the snippet. Scal said that she uh, she married her husband and said, uh, he she married him because he said he was just so humorous, I just love being around him. And yes, she was in love with him. We got married and said, uh, after a few months he started drinking and he just became a monster. It just mm-hmm. totally changed, and some of our friends they saw it in us, and they just thought, "Man, you guys aren't going to make it." And and he and I had a real gut level talk, and we both agreed we, we, we're we're going to change some things so we can make it. So he stopped drinking, and they actually moved from where they were into another town, and uh, and started building new friendships with people, and things improved and got better. Then uh, he got multiple sclerosis, mm-hmm. and. A few weeks into that journey, he started drinking again, and he got angry toward her. I mean, just angry toward her. And somewhere along the line, a, a friend gave her a Bible. She said, "I had never had a Bible," and I started reading in the Bible. And then this friend invited me to a Bible study. And when I got to a Bible study, I ended up giving my life to Christ. Hmm. And one day. I was reading that passage where Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And she said, I thought, okay, God, I think I got it. Mm. So give me the ability to love my husband, even though it appears that he hates me. And she said, I started giving him words of affirmation and acts of service. And in a few weeks, maybe, several weeks three months he stopped drinking and he went back to being the humorous person that he was and for 35 years we had a wonderful relationship before he died with multiple sclerosis she said the disease you know took his life but loving your enemies was the winner yeah So I think, you know, it's not natural to love uh, people that don't love you. You know, what's what's natural is to love people who love you. They treat Mm -hmm. you kindly, you treat them kindly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I remind people, Jesus loved us when we were dirty, rotten sinners
1: Mm.
0: and sent Christ to die for us. So Romans 5, verse 5 says, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So with the help of God, we can love a spouse, or someone else who doesn't love us, who's mistreated us, we can we can love them. And if we choose that attitude and then seek to discover what really would make them feel loved and start speaking that language, you're telling God, Lord, you know how I feel. We're not denying our feelings. You know how I feel toward them. and mm-hmm. I don't have positive feelings toward them, but I want to be your agent because I know you love them. God will let you be his agent. And over and over again, I've seen that person begin to change, begin to warm up. Because they know they don't deserve what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because, see, they're human too. And by nature, you love people that love you. So God can use your behavior to touch their heart. And I've seen marriages restored where a wife or a husband would take that kind of attitude and expressions of love toward them and the other person eventually warms up. I I, I challenge people to do a six-month experiment and just see what happens. Speak Mm -hmm. in their love language at least once a week for six months and see what happens. I can't guarantee that the person will turn around because, listen, people spit in God's face every day and he gives Mm -hmm. them the the breath they breathe. So Mm -hmm. you, you can't make them change. But this is the best way to have a positive influence on that person who has mistreated you. So good. So good.
1: One more, or maybe two. What do we say to the person that's listening today to us? Talk about love, and they say, "Well, I've, I've loved, and I've lost, and I've given up on love. I'm just going to live lonely." What do we say to those kind of people? Well, first of all, I'm empathetic. You know,
0: I can say to them honestly, I can see how you'd get to that place when you try and try and try. And, and the other person doesn't, doesn't reciprocate. And some of those people have been through two or three marriages also in the process mm-hmm. of all of that. And I can see how you would just feel like giving up on marriage and just live an isolated life. But we were not, we were not made to live alone. You know, God himself said about Adam, it's not good for a man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And he created woman and instituted marriage. And his intention is that we will reach out and serve each other we work together as a team to accomplish great things in life. Now, I know if you've had bad experiences in in relationships, you feel like, well, it's no teamwork here, you know, but that's what it's intended to be. So I would say, don't, don't give up. Now you don't have to be married to be happy, uh, but you do need friends. You need to have close, close friends. So I would say to that person, find a church that has small groups in that church. Mm-hmm. And you get in a small group and start meeting with that group weekly. And and let's just see what happens. There are people there that will reach out to you and love you and you can build friendships. And listen, you can have a wonderful life of service to God and a relationship with God without being married. Uh, you don't have to be married to, to have, be fulfilled in life. But you do have to have friends and then you do have to learn how to take what God has given you and reach out and love other people, serve other people. Life's deepest satisfaction on the human level mm-hmm. comes from serving other people. And, and for Christians, we're doing that in the name of Jesus. So, you know, that that's where life finds its real real satisfaction.
1: I that very much, and uh, just the wisdom. And here's what I'm really impressed with. Love the conversation, uh, but you didn't just write the book. You're living the life. 61 years with Carolyn, 50 years uh, serving in the same church, uh, you know what commitment is about. And that commitment has uh, brought you to a deep place of love. And I'm hoping people that are listening will learn that commitment and uh, choices that lead us to love. Even the way you said, hey, try this, try it for three months, try it for six months, make those choices and it will bring them to love. Let, let me ask one final question, because uh, I know you're, you're even... Today, very busy, but d- looking back, things that you know now about love, about relationships in your journey of counseling and um, uh, teaching around the world, what do you know now as a core, core value that you really wish you would have known 30 years ago, 40 years ago, or when you were starting out? What would you say?
0: I would have to say I wish I had known about the love language concept early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I could have been more helpful to people in those earlier years of my ministry had I known that. And it certainly uh, has made a tremendous difference in my life and the life of my children. You know, I have two grown children, both of whom are passionate for Jesus. One's a medical Mm -hmm. doctor and one, my, my son says, if I had a business card, I think I would say I'm a listener. He said, "Of course, it doesn't pay well, but that's my passion. <laughs> is to meet people, listen to people, find out where they are. get mm. them, invite them home for lunch, get them in a Bible study. Uh, you know, and he's he's worked in three different countries doing that, and now he's in mm. Austin, Texas, which is a great mission field. <laughs> yeah. yeah, But at any rate, yeah, I, I wish I had I had discovered that that concept, and also what we've been talking about today, that that life's meaning is found, deepest meaning is found." In serving others you know Jesus said himself about himself the son of man didn't come to be served I came to serve and give my life a ransom now we don't have to give our lives a ransom he's already done that but we're here not to be served we're here to serve and I, I wish I had discovered that earlier in my life
1: I just want to say thank you so much for sharing the time the wisdom and I'm really thankful to God Because through those many counseling appointments you had, you came to a concept of communication that has helped many people deepen their love. And we're hoping, even as people are listening to the Influencers podcast, that they will be challenged today to deepen your level of love, to understand yourself in a greater way, to understand others in a greater way, and to do the hard work of love because it's worth it. Uh, Dr. Chapman, thank you so much for being with us today, and um, we bless you and Carolyn, and um, thank you so much for blessing so many lives and joining us on the Influencers Podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Scott. I enjoyed chatting with you today, and thanks for what you're doing to reach out and help people in practical ways, so keep up the good work.
1: Thanks to everyone. Remember, we do pray for you, and we want to see you use your life to influence others. Christ calls us to be light in a dark world, salt in a world that needs our flavor. Let's be influencers today, and in particularly, let's love one another. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at The Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.